What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Enlighten Me podcast. I'm your host, Mackenzie, and you are listening to episode 94 of the show. Before we dive in today, I want to take a second to thank a sponsor who is helping to make this show possible. Today's show is made possible by Choose Happiness. Choose Happiness is a social enterprise and business bringing handcrafted creations to America's dogs, all while supporting indigenous herders and farmers in developing countries. Choose Happiness uses exclusively plastic-free, plant-based packaging, and their treats are delicious macaroon-like donkey desserts called Barkaroons that contain all-natural, beyond-organic, wholesome ingredients that have been sustainably sourced. You guys probably know that I try to be plant-based as much as I possibly can, but my dog does not care as much for a plant-based diet. In my opinion, the most responsible thing I can do as a conscious consumer and a doggy mom is to make sure I'm buying sustainable. That means looking for sustainable packaging and responsibly sourced ingredients whenever I can. Choose Happiness offers the best of both worlds with their treats that are good for you and good for the planet. So use the link in the show notes to purchase your pup some Choose Happiness dog treats today and receive a free dog toy with the purchase of two treat boxes. That's Choose, C-H-E-W-S, Happiness. Link in the show notes. All right, friends, today I have a super special episode in store for you. It's special for many reasons, but mostly because of who my guest is. This interview today is with a very dear friend to me and someone who I get to call my sister. Welcome to the show with me, Kate. I've known Kate for a long time now, and we've always shared a passion for social justice. In fact, I still remember the first time I met her that somehow our conversation ended up with us talking about racial reconciliation. That's some pretty heavy content for when your brother-in-law brings his girlfriend home to meet the family for the first time. It's safe to say that Kate is a kindred spirit to me in more ways than one, and for years we have talked about her coming on the show to talk about some of those shared passions. And today, it's finally happening. As you'll hear her explain today, Kate has been working very hard these past few years on her PhD studying racial diversity in STEM education. If you're not sure what STEM ed is, don't worry, she's going to explain that to you and more. In part one that you're listening to, now, you'll get the inside scoop on some of the research she has conducted so far and some major takeaways that she has from it. And of course, an episode of the Enlighten Me podcast would not be complete without me being interrupted by my kids in some way, shape, or form. To make this recording happen, Kate drove all the way from Illinois to South Carolina and we had our hubby's babysit for us so we could do just that. We realized that we needed their help after my littlest one had a bout of hiccups that you'll get to hear a little bit of towards the beginning of the episode, so don't mind the Neely kids, y'all. And one more thing before we dive in, while you're listening to the show, don't forget about leaving a rating and a review. Reviews are so helpful because they tell Apple and all the other podcast sites that people like what I'm doing, and that means more people will hear this show. I especially want more people to hear about this important research that Kate is doing, so please take a few minutes to write one. It truly only takes a few minutes, and I really, really appreciate it. And also make sure you're subscribed to the show so that you know when part two with Kate is available next week. All right, friends, here's what you've been waiting for, my conversation with Kate Neely. All right. Hey, Kate, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Happy to be here. Yes, I'm excited to have you on. Can you start with introducing yourself for everyone who's listening? Yeah, my name is Kate Neely. I'm a high school math teacher currently working on my doctorate in education with a focus on diversity and STEM. Okay, and there is a lot more to you than that, including the fact that you're my sister-in-law. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your personal life, where you live, and all that fun stuff. So I live in central Illinois, and my husband, Mitch, his brother is Justin, Mackenzie's husband. We're actually both teachers, so he teaches PE, and then I teach math at a competing school, and we actually coach basketball together. 
So that's been a fun, risky first year marriage <laughs> choice, but it actually turned out really well and was, was a fun thing to do together. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. Yeah, well, I always love getting to do my interviews in person, and you guys are here visiting us, so we got the chance to do this, and not only that, but your family and one of my best friends, so this is going to be a super fun episode, and you and Mitch, I think, were dating when you started working on your PhD, and a long time ago, I remember you were like, someday I could talk about this on the podcast. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. But you hadn't even started your research then. So, but now you're close to finishing. So we are having you on to share about what you've been learning. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about what your research is all about? Yeah, so like I said, it's a focus with STEM and diversity. So what I've been doing, and it's been quite a journey, about a year of writing kind of some initial things and collecting data, but I've been wanting to know how we can get more diversity in STEM teachers. So I've interviewed uh, students who are majoring in STEM and who identify as what I termed an underrepresented minority. So that includes the Latinx populations and African-American students. And just learned about their experiences in STEM, positive and negative. And then if they are interested in teaching and if not, what experiences maybe led them to be uninterested in that profession. Okay, cool. And um, I told you when we started that you might have to define some terms for us since you are an academic scholar. Um, Can you start with defining what STEM is for anybody who doesn't know? It's not stem cell research. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math. And it's a newer term, I guess, in education circles, but really we're seeing that a lot of professions and a lot of concepts you learn in each of those subjects really overlap a lot, especially when you get to the professions. So incorporating that together, we kind of talk about how they're all integrated in um, a lot of areas. Okay, very cool. Okay, and I want to know more about kind of your personal interest in this subject matter and Obviously, you're a female, but for people who can't see you, you're white. So I want to know, like, why do you care about figuring out why underrepresented groups aren't involved in STEM as much? Like, what was your personal interest in devoting several years of your life to researching this topic? The first one being that I worked initially, I was living out in New Jersey. That was my first years of teaching. And I worked at a school that had a population that was primarily Latino and African-American. And the teachers were primarily white Um, and I just saw that that was you know though I loved that job and teachers loved being there uh, it was disheartening a little bit that students didn't see anyone who looks like them in those jobs and then I think it's really hard for them to picture themselves in those in the future so that was kind of one thing that just kind of seemed off to me and then I also have a sister who is black and in her high school experience she had some teachers of color but I don't know if she had any who were in STEM so I just think that that's an area that there's not a lot of minorities in just regular STEM professions but also not in STEM teaching and I'm curious to know why and what we can do about it. Okay so something else I want to ask you before we kind of dive into what you found in your research is why this topic matters like why is diversity in STEM important? And I want to preface that question by saying by the time this episode is live, it will be following shortly an interview I did with a woman named Jackie from the diversity movement. And in that interview, she talked about how diversity is really important for businesses and can actually help businesses to thrive. 
But I want to know why is this specifically important for STEM in your eyes and whether that's your personal experiences or what you found in your research. Why does this matter? And I ask that because there's a lot of people listening who probably don't care about STEM. Like, you know, they might not be teachers or whatever. They might think like, well, I hate math or I hate science. So like, why should I care about this topic? So what would you say to that? I think multiple people at the table bringing different perspectives and different ideas is important for all jobs. And when we think about STEM being a primarily white male dominated field, there's probably a lot of things that have been missed and the conversations that are not had because of those different ideas. So there's one girl I interviewed who comes to mind that she was a sociology and I think biology major. And I was very curious what those two things were together. And she really has an interest in social justice and like environmental science. So she wanted to look at low-income communities like where she grew up and what sort of environmental impact are having on them. So initially I asked like the Flint, Michigan water crisis and she's like, yeah, but there's so much more than that. There's um, issues with how like the buildings are made in low-income areas. And so she just had a perspective that if you don't know that or you're not from that area, that it might be missed if you don't have that representation. Mm -hmm. So... I just think having different people at the table, but also seeing yourself in certain jobs is really important to have that like representation there. So one thing I do with my high school students, I'm now in a really rural white community, um, so it's not totally as relevant as my New Jersey experience, but I still think it's important for them to see a diverse group of people in STEM. So at the beginning of the year, we do an activity where I ask them to draw a picture of what they picture when they, when I say a scientist, Um, an engineer and a mathematician and so we discuss the characteristics of what they drew or the words that they wrote down when they think of those words and we generally end up thinking of a older white man uh, maybe a little bit nerdy with glasses and it ends up being kind of a version of Einstein so (laughs) we discuss that that's very stereotypical of people in STEM and that there's actually a lot of different people so each Friday, I do what's called a famous Friday, and we look at either a famous person in STEM who doesn't fit the Einstein perspective. So Mm -hmm. I try to get young people, I try to get females, people of different races, and we talk about those different professions that students don't usually think about with STEM. And I think when people can picture themselves or see someone who looks like them in it, then those jobs like, for example, environmental science or computer programming for video games, uh, forensic science, sports statistician, those can be a lot more appealing for students when they see someone who looks like them or someone who looks different in that role. So I guess I just think that representation is so important and that's why seeing representation in STEM teachers can do a lot of good for that. Mm -hmm. And that leads me to one other question I meant to ask earlier, which is, we talked about what STEM is, but can you give us some examples of jobs in STEM like that you would tell your students? Because, again, I feel like a lot of people might be like, ugh, engineering. And it's like, that's not the only thing, or it doesn't have to be like a doctor or something like that, but there are many other jobs in the STEM field. So can you give us some examples? Yeah, I would say, I mean, even the girl who I interviewed, I wouldn't have even thought of environmental science being that sort of base of what she's interested in Mm -hmm. Um, but sometimes I too show them movie clips of people uh, to get them intrigued so we watched Moneyball Mm -hmm. small clip from that and show how you can be a statistician and you can incorporate sports if that's something you're interested in Uh, kids are very into video games so Mm -hmm. we talk about coding computer programming how you would have a math base and computer science base Mm -hmm. Uh, we looked at hidden figures 
So that had Katherine Johnson, who is an African-American female mathematician, and she was involved in, like, the space shuttle launch. Mm -hmm. So we've looked at a lot of things that I think are a lot more interesting than just thinking of, though building bridges is cool, or working on a computer (laughs) and mixing chemicals is cool, that there are a lot of other jobs that even I've learned about from trying to create this, like, once-a-week activity. Right, yeah, that is pretty cool. Okay, so now we're going to kind of get into, like, the nitty-gritty of what you were actually researching. So can you start with telling us, like, first what your research question was? So I asked kind of two main questions that I wanted to answer. Uh, One was, what are underrepresented minority students' positive and negative experiences in STEM? And the second question was, um, are underrepresented minority students interested in pursuing STEM education and then understanding why or why not? And with that, I'm sure underrepresented minorities um, or minorities or students of color for me was specifically those who identify as Latinx or African-American. And the reason I chose those two populations is because of uh, the large percentage that are in our student population of those races. And then comparatively, the really low number of those races in STEM, in STEM teaching, and then in teaching in general. Okay, so for this research, because we've talked about, just in you and I in our conversations, we've talked about, like, all kinds of diversity issues, but for this, you're specifically focusing on racial minorities, right? Yes, yes, which earlier we talked about representation and including females, um, as that's also a challenge in the STEM career, and though that's something I'm interested in maybe in future research, this is specifically on uh, racial inequalities in STEM education. Okay, great. Okay, cool. And then how exactly did you do your study? How, I know you did like a lot of interviews, right? So how did you do that and who were you talking with exactly? I mean, without saying names, obviously. (laughs) So I created a survey and then reached out to 10 universities, and this was simply through like a Google search, of coming up with universities that had a relatively diverse population of students, racial diversity, reached out to different heads of STEM departments, so chemistry, biology, engineering, computer science. I just kind of searched for their emails and then asked them to forward on to their majors. And like I said, tried to do a little bit all over the U.S., some in the central, north, south, east, west, um, and got very good responses. Uh, You have to eliminate, you know, those who just open it up to try to get the gift card at the end. (laughs) But um, yeah, ended up with about like 75 survey responses and then wanted to do interviews with people to make sure that, you know, the data was reliable and I can get that those personal questions and dig a little bit deeper. So I ended up interviewing 30 students, which was not my expectation, but these were all those who identified as African-American or Latinx and majored in a STEM major. So these were set up via Zoom because this was during COVID, which they were all over the U.S. anyway, so that would have probably been the plan no matter (laughs) what. Uh, But yeah, I interviewed them just to expand on some of their answers, dive a little deeper, and just hearing about their experiences was very enlightening in this. And one thing I wanted to say at the beginning is being a white female doing this research, and anytime you're interested, if you are white and interested in like racial equality, listening to other voices is so important because it's really not our voice or our ideas that matter. It's the people of color and those who are experiencing it. So Mm -hmm. that was one thing that I always got from that um, was those good conversations and realizing if I had a direction I thought this should go based on what I'd read, Mm -hmm. that it really should be based on their experience where we go from here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. So let's talk about the results that you got starting first with looking at STEM education and if people 
from those minority backgrounds are entering into it or not. Um, so what did you find there? Like, what were the reasons for people not wanting to get into STEM education? Uh, that would be the low pay was probably the biggest thing that people described, especially if you're majoring in STEM, which can lead to a lot of lucrative careers if you're entering engineering or something medical based. And since education is a problem, not just for uh, the low pay of intriguing minority students, but also other people who just want jobs that that pay a little bit more Mm -hmm. the students are maybe not interested because of that and many of them described that it was more their family that was not encouraging of teaching they wanted something more respected that had a bigger salary many of the students that I interviewed where we were able to go deeper into this they talked about uh, how they were maybe a first-generation college student and that if their parents went through all the sacrifice that they did that they didn't want them to become a teacher. They wanted something mm-hmm. respected, and with respect is usually money, mm-hmm. so something that, yeah, would pay quite a bit more than teaching. Hmm. Yeah, which is so sad, and just really a societal issue that we have not paying our teachers enough, and yeah, we could obviously get a lot more people interested in teaching from all kinds of backgrounds if we paid our teachers more, so yeah, that's, that's definitely an issue. And then what was the other side of that? So the other big one, and this goes with kind of my other research question of what were their experiences with STEM classes, uh, was that many students described very negative K-12 experiences that could impact their pursuit of possibly STEM or STEM education, though these students I were interviewing were already majoring in STEM. So one of the biggest categories would be microaggressions, Mm -hmm. which are like subtle, unintentional forms of racism, so not in your face saying the n-word or something derogatory like that uh, Mm -hmm. but something that is still based in race and ignorance um, that can harm students or any anyone of color Mm -hmm. so some scenarios that students described was like mispronouncing names especially culturally unique names Uh, there were students who described that they had teachers who wouldn't even try pronouncing their name um, or would make fun of how unique their name was mm. and say they needed to come up with a shorter name or a nickname or something else that they can call them because they're not going to call them that. Mm. So that can really damage a student. And if it's in a STEM class or any class, uh, and their engagement in that class can be impacted. Mm-hmm. And it can also be understood why they wouldn't want to return to a classroom because of the negative experiences they had with teachers. Students also described that teachers would think they needed extra help when they did not, and they assumed that was because of their race, or thought they were cheating when they did well on an assessment. Um, One teacher thought that a student couldn't afford a field trip, and she didn't understand why, but then realized she was the only student of color in the class and thought that that was a racial uh, reasoning, and again, I'm sure the teacher didn't intend that to be um, a form of racism with that, but it obviously was, and it offended the student. Uh, there was also students who said for st- other students as well as teachers like touching african-american females hair um, that can be a very frustrating again i said my sister is black so that's one she's referenced many times that is a very frustrating experience as an african-american female to that the teachers are touching their there hair? was some that said teachers did oh yeah. wow usually students that was more of a student response but again can impact their learning um, but yeah, there was a few that said their teachers even touched their hair without asking. Oh, wow. That seems really inappropriate. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I feel like the concept of microaggressions is really important for everybody to understand. Like you said, not just for students' benefit, but just for everybody. Like, those are the things that just happen daily, like, without you even realizing it, and we're all guilty of it. 
and I shared with you like a experience that a friend of mine had we actually had when I was in school um someone come and teach about microaggressions and they asked for examples and this wasn't one of my examples personally but one that a friend shared with me a black friend who went to U of I and actually this was shared about on a different podcast episode one of the very first ones I ever did was with my friend Janelle who shared about five things she's learned about racism and so this was one of our friends who had this experience he's a student or he was a student at U of I and he went to meet with his academic counselor for the very first time and she was like wow he was a transfer student so he had gone to JUCO previously and she said wow your grades are really good I'm so surprised and he was like wait, why are you surprised? The only thing you know about me is my race. So are you saying you're surprised I'm smart because I'm black? Like, is that what you're trying to insinuate? And again, like it was something that she intended as a compliment. Like she didn't even realize how it was coming off. But to him, that was something that was really offensive. Like, why is that surprising to you? So I think just thinking about microaggressions is so important for all of us to be aware of. I agree. And another um, scenario that many students describe, and this can fit into microaggressions as well because it's, I mean, kind of similar to your experience, but would be like academic perceptions. Uh Um, So it's kind of a subcategory of it, but just teachers thinking that students aren't capable of something based on their race. So this could be actually teachers or counselors. So there were students who tried to get into like AP classes or honors courses, or there was one girl who wanted to double up with statistics and calculus and counselors said that they didn't think they could handle it. Uh, Mm -hmm. It would be too challenging for them. Things of that nature, which could not only allow them not to be in a class that they need to be in, but could cause some self-doubt in their ability. Mm -hmm. And maybe they start believing that they're not capable of that just because of, you know, those teachers and those people in authority saying things like that. Teachers have also mistaken students as being in the wrong class. Uh, there was one that went into it in advance. I don't remember what STEM course, but and the teacher asked if they were in the in the wrong class, which I can't imagine how disheartening that would be. Mm-hmm. Or again, not saying they, that this material might be too difficult to handle. Mm-hmm. So that's another area that students describe as being frustrating in their experience. Yeah, and I think teachers and counselors, like you said, counselors is a big one, are guilty of that with all kinds of students, not just based on race. Like, they're guilty of stereotyping kids. Like, I know my husband, this conversation always hits home for him because his guidance counselor in high school told him he wasn't U of I material, and he almost didn't apply because of that. And lo and behold, he graduated. He did really well in college. But um, but it was because he was a jock. Like, he was, like, the starting quarterback and all that stuff. So his guidance counselor was like, you're not cut out for a school like U of I. Like, you should take your athletic scholarship and go to a smaller school. And that's something he still holds on to. And so, like, I think we're all guilty of using stereotypes, and especially teachers and counselors, like you said, when it comes to race probably do that all the time and don't even realize it. So that is super interesting. And one thing that's not my research, but I noticed in a lot of discussions, especially in the interviews, was with females of color that there was one girl um, who walked into, I think it was an engineering class, and she was the only female, and she was also a person of color, and the teacher was one to doubt if she should be in there. And she's like, I truly don't know if it was my race or my color, or the color of my skin. 
And um, that's one thing to, I've learned in my research too is the word intersectionality, which mm-hmm. means that there can be multiple things that are impacting your experiences. So yeah. for example, this was a black female. So the fact that she is a female and black in a predominantly white male field, she's gonna have totally different experiences than someone who is just black or is just female. So that intersectionality just adds additional barriers that sometimes we've ignored. We've seen them as two separate things. But when you include them both, there's a lot of additional challenges or different challenges Mm -hmm. because of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that goes back to even, like, the microaggression conversation of, like, a teacher who's like, oh, are you lost? Like, they're probably not trying to be a jerk, (laughs) but they're like, oh, you clearly don't fit in here, so, like, let me help you find the right place to fit in. And Mm -hmm. she's like, no, no, I am actually just going to be the minority in this classroom. Yeah. So, so interesting. Okay, and then what was your third point with that? Um, So unfair punishment that tends to take students out of classroom and again can make the learning environment not as welcoming. And this, based on research, is particularly relevant for African-American males Mm -hmm. having a much higher suspension or just disciplinary in general. And this is usually based on stereotypes. Mm -hmm. But I also think that can happen at such a young age where if students are stereotyped a certain way, sometimes that causes certain behavior too. But when we think about punishments, schools are moving away from keeping kids out of school like suspending them from the building which is good because what are kids going to be doing if they're not in the building learning Um, not that there shouldn't be any disciplinary but that can really impact a student's interest or ability to handle it if they're not in the classroom learning especially stem material that builds on itself so students talked about and not that they even all had that experience themselves but Uh they referenced that particularly for black students was generally the finding that punishment was not always fair Uh uh, especially compared to white students but even those who were latino said black students had it harder um, Mm -hmm. and different punishments where the same thing could happen with a different student and they witnessed the punishment being different. Hmm. Yeah, that honestly doesn't surprise me at all that that was one of your findings because I even watched a documentary about that in college because I majored in higher ed and so we talked about that a lot and well actually this was a class about high school but it was almost framed as if it was like a crisis of like how especially racial minority male students are just in trouble all the time and leaving high school with like so many marks on their record for discipline and yeah how a lot of it is stereotype based on the teachers that are getting them in trouble or the principal or whatever and I think we talked about it with social or socio-emotional learning which is like kind of a new style of teaching that some schools are taking on where they're focusing like more on the heart of kids rather than just on the behavior and like punishing the behavior which I think is really cool but anyways that that really doesn't surprise me and I feel like that would be a huge factor for any kid like especially like a black male who maybe got in trouble all the time in high school why would you want to go be a teacher then like if you had a terrible high school experience because you were just always in trouble that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. So those those tended to be the negative experiences. So I guess when I when I answer that, those to me were the explanation of why not education. So yeah. a lot of students were able to go through those experiences, and though they weren't always positive, they still loved STEM for whatever reason, um, whether it was what profession they wanted to go into or it just really intrigued them. So there were some positive experiences. Uh, so there was a group that I really got to at the end of my research. They were in a university around uh, Atlanta, Georgia area, and it was totally different than anyone else I interviewed because there was a lot of students I interviewed from like Chicago and a lot of other areas, but this group was 
it was prim primarily a commuter school, so they all went to high school around this area, and they actually described really positive experiences in high school. Hmm. So, and to me, the key, which at first I was like, well, this kind of contradicts some of the things I had, although I, you know, I'm so happy that there's not yeah. as many <laughs> microaggressions in this area, but like, what is it? Why, why are they having this experience? So yeah. one question in my survey was, how many teachers of color, teachers who look like you, have you had? And these students always clicked the most teachers. So mm -hmm. when I interviewed them, I was really curious what that was going to be like. And I think that that's the key, which really confirmed my research for me, yeah. is that if you have a diverse group of teachers, not that everything's perfect because students can still say ignorant things and teachers can say ignorant things. It's not fair to put on diverse racially diverse teachers that they're going to be perfect in this scenario but mm -hmm. having more cultural understanding and seeing role models and people who understand your life a little bit better that seemed to be the key um, and many of those students referenced a teacher as a role model in STEM for why they're interested in that mm. so a lot of other ones were more students were more motivated by either a lucrative career or again, just finding their passion despite some negative circumstances. But these students really had a positive experience in their education. And I think that was what included even more of them maybe in a STEM degree than some other schools that might rule some kids out because of the microaggressions and other things like that. Hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. Oh, very cool. Okay, and then... Allegiant Michael's card. Oh, okay. <laughs> Add it to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> When you leave two men in charge of the babies, being interrupted by Agent Michael Skarn for some backup is the least you can expect. I hope some of you enjoyed that office reference, and it actually gave Kate and I the perfect place to pause before continuing on with part two, which will be available next week. While STEM education is a pretty specific topic, I hope you're seeing that this conversation has implications that go far beyond the science and math fields. Like I said multiple times in the show, racial microaggressions are something we can all be guilty of and need to learn more about, especially those of us who work with kids and have influence over young people's lives. I thought this was a perfect follow-up to my conversation with Jackie from the past two weeks, where we covered why diversity, equity, and inclusion are so vital to our world. If you haven't listened to that yet, I highly recommend doing so first because she is going to help you to see why research like what Kate is doing is so vital to our ever-evolving society. I love Kate's point on why representation matters. Whether we like it or not, STEM is vital in all of our lives, so having voices of all kinds represented at the table will only help us to be better. Again, make sure you tune in next week for part two while we talk more about Kate's research findings and what implications they have for not only those in the education field, but us as the general public. Make sure you're subscribed to the show so that you don't miss part two next week. Subscribing is free and easy to do. You can do it right now on whatever app you're using to listen by hitting the subscribe button. And don't forget about leaving a rating and a review for the show too while you're over there. Oh, and also I'll ask that you share the show with friends. More people need to hear these conversations. So text it to your friends or share online that you're listening. Okay, thank you so much for tuning in. You can find the links to connect with Kate and I in the show notes and the link to shop Choose Happiness and get your free docky toy is also there. Until next week, take the time to learn more about microaggressions and how to avoid them. Remember that representation matters and keep seeking to get enlightened. Peace out. <laughs>